Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we have Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Hello, everyone. Troy, are you ready to board the longship for Stockholm? I think so. I've got a really big week. We've got a really big week ahead of us in Stockholm for Paradox. We're doing uh, the first Paradox Con, which is open to the public. We've had small fan gatherings before, uh, but this is going to be a very big week. We have a lot of uh, fans coming in. We have some panels, the usual karaoke mess, and this is my first flight of 2017. And last year, I was always on the road. So, I, though I'm, I, I'm kind of glad it's been this long that I've been on a flight, but I really do miss my team. And it's be going to be good to. Uh, we have a lot of announcements coming up, and that's enough for the ad. But it's I am ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I am deeply curious what a uh, a paradox convention is going to look like because I just don't like I know what a wargaming convention looks like, uh, but paradox has its own odd fan base and ex- extends into weird places to an ex- like mm-hmm. outside the normal strategy uh, beaten path. So I'm really curious like what the vibe is uh, going to be for the going to be for paradox con but i i have high hopes and it's uh, it's always a blast talking to uh talking to you and the rest of the three was ahead gang that is usually covering the event professionally as well uh so I, i'm really looking forward to it less so flying from los angeles to stockholm yeah you've got a long haul there dude yeah i uh i actually considered like just staying in boston because recently they're visiting i was thinking like of having of mailing my apartment key to a friend here and having them come find my uh my passport because yeah boston to stockholm like a long flight but but not too bad los angeles it's pretty dire so i can't i can't but, vouch well, for the uh, condition it, it, it's a good thing you are such a small man and planes are not a problem for you yeah i mean really like coach i don't need more room than coach that's that's just fine for me. In fact, just just give me a teeny tiny little coffin, and uh, just throw me in the hold. Ah, uh, God! If I was your size, I don't think I'd ever fly anything except Economy Plus. Yeah, but they they like on those long flights they gouge you for that. It's oh yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. It's, it's really brutal. Um, anyway, though, I suppose it's, it's, it feels a little churlish uh, to be complaining about travel uh, when you know who had a, a tougher travel arrangement, Troy. Who had a tougher travel arrangement, Rob? The Vikings. The Vikings. They had to walk or take a long ship literally everywhere. And, uh, you know, I've been living that life for the past couple weeks here. Because uh, today on, on Through's Ahead, we're going to be talking about Expeditions Viking uh, from, from Logic Artists, which is a sequel to Expeditions Conquistador, which I never played. But, Troy, you urged me to give that a look and said it was a really interesting game. And I never quite got around to it. <laughs> Yeah, this is a game that I mentioned uh, a couple of years ago when we had our end of the year small games that we didn't have time for, but we thought people should check out a show. I think that's where I mentioned it. And Expedition Conquistador was a combination role-playing strategy game where you were kind of a conquistador and you had to balance the interests of a very divided party while fighting tactical battles in the conquest uh, of the Aztecs. Um it had a lot of very interesting things uh, to history and for role-playing and party-building. And now they have, Logic Artist has released uh, one on the Vikings, which is quite different, I think, in both theme and content um, and style 
uh, from Conquistadors, some of which works and some of which doesn't. Um, but I am going. I am generally happy that they have gone back to this well for all of its problems. Yeah, just before I move on from Conquistador, I am really curious. I always meant to play it. Mm-hmm. You know the the like Cortez's conquest and and that entire theme, that story is a very fascinating one, uh, and at times does have the air an air of like a ridiculous adventure. Yet it's also one of the great historical crimes. Yes. Um, does Conquistador engage with the underlying? grossness of what you're taking part in and and where this history is headed or is it mostly kind of the um the storybook vision of the conquistadors right like gutsy europeans uh taking it to the aztec death cult it's clearly a bit of an alternate history and but it does engage with it in some way in that in conquistador unlike in viking your party members have personality traits um and some of those traits can be Racist, that, that is an actual trait. Uh, greedy, uh, religious, pacifist, and balancing and trying to, you can have a really, really good soldier, but he's a racist, but you need him for every battle. So how do you keep him happy? Uh, the greedy players, they'll just wonder why you're not extorting, the greedy partners will wonder why you're not extorting the natives all the time. Um, the pacifists and the religious, the, the Bartolomeo de las Casas type priests, they will be pushing you to be more generous, to want to build a friendships uh, with uh, the native peoples. So you are balancing, it's ahistorical in the fact that, you know, aside from the, none, of the, none of Cortes's party, really especially humanitarian, um, but, you know, there were people, of course, in Spain and the Jesuits who were pushing for a milder, more humane treatment of the native peoples. And you do have the choice to engage in that in the Conquistador games. However, you have party members who will be pushing you towards the historical butcher, uh, you are going to be pillaging a lot uh, type of campaign. So it shies away from it in a bit and that you don't get to do, there won't be mass graves um, probably for the best. Probably for the best. I mean, I think it's always good to not put players in the decision of open genocide is a good choice um, because I don't think any game designer is really skilled at how to make that interesting, valuable, and educational. Uh, but it certainly did engage with the uh, the racism, religious bigotry, um, the burgeoning growth of science the divisions within the Catholic Church over how to treat these people, are they people at all type questions. You can have skeptic party members, you can recruit natives to join you. There's a lot of interesting inter-party action in Conquistador, which brings it up to the level of a strategy game beyond just an RPG because you are trying to balance people with independent motivations. and it's some it you, it's not quite just like you know steering a boat making sure you're on a middle course because it's not always that easy, and that's never a very interesting way to play. Um, like you don't want to just say I'm I'm sitting on the fence, both sides are wrong, uh, type stuff. Cause that's not interesting. And then you, instead of having happy party members, you have party members who are just yeah okay fine whatever. And then, you know, you make a wrong choice and they leave. So there's always an interest to try to keep people 
build a, build a happy party, but that's not always easy. So, so that so party members come and go. Uh, Conquistador is, I think, for that reason, a superior game in many ways to Viking, because Viking doesn't have that type of party interaction based on personality traits, at least not that I can notice. Uh, and I think that takes away something from Viking because you're not quite sure all the... The only way you know people are upset at you is because you made a, a role-playing choice in a dialogue tree and you think it's because of one reason, um, but it's not like there's a strategic play here beyond he's my best axeman, my axeman should probably be happy. Yeah, so the way Expeditions uh, Viking is is sort of trying to, to work this... I'm not sure if any of your like day like day to day uh, like more mechanical or systems driven choices really influence the happiness of your party members. Like all the named party members do have these traits, right? Like your uh, your your cousin uh, character, the, the the man who would be Thane, uh, I guess. Uh, Asleaf. Elsewhere, Asleaf, something like that. Asleaf, I think. Uh, is like very traditional. He's he's greedy. He's a, your total Viking raider, yeah. right? Um, but you've also got like your hunter rogue buddy uh, who's like fiercely loyal, but it, it's increasingly clear like he's also really like greedy and cutthroat. Uh, you know, your your right hand woman uh, Nafia is uh, you know sort of the new model of Viking, a new generation, uh, different views, more, more open-minded. And the only things I've noticed really affecting their mental states, their morale are these role-playing choices. Uh, and the clearest example of that was, uh, in Expeditions Viking, and we'll, we'll get into a little more what this game is in a second, but in Expeditions Viking, you, you do run into these fork in the road decisions. And I had one where I ran into a, group of runaway thralls, uh, slaves, mm -hmm. basically. And you can't, I don't think I could avoid fighting them. Uh, they, they basically like see you, they freak out and they attack. You don't feel good in this fight. Like it, they're, they're, they're runaway slaves. You're heavily armed, well-fed warriors. Uh, it's a very quick and ugly fight, but then you have the choice of executing them for, you know, daring to raise their hand against, uh, you know, uh, against Vikings, uh, you can take them back into into slavery, uh, or you can let them go. And like I was like, obviously I'm like the game is giving me a choice to not engage in slavery. I'm going to not engage in slavery right. uh, and and let these folks go. And then immediately, like all the traditionalist members of the party, like were very very upset because for for them obviously like thralls aren't people. Thralls are thralls. You know, that's that's just how their world works. But then, like, the more open-minded uh, members, uh, the, the more freedom-oriented ones, I guess, were all very happy with that decision. And I think that's... But I think that's broadly the, the game that Expeditions is, is playing here, is mm -hmm. that you're going to have lots of these little, like, story beats that are going to affect kind of what your party thinks of your leadership. But it's not... It doesn't feel like... Um, how you're managing your party, it, you know, like, you know, how you, how you're feeding them, how you're procuring supplies, how you're engaging with, uh, like lo local merchants. It doesn't feel like that's having a huge impact, no. but on the other hand, everywhere you go, you run into these story beats. 
yeah, there's something popping up all the time. Um, you'll make camp, then you'll step outside of camp, and you'll run into either more escaping thralls or some guy setting up a cursed horse head on a pike. You know, there's all these little touches of local color um, that you generally are pushing you in those two directions. Are you going to be, are you towards traditionalism or are you towards some sort of new way? Um, and it's not quite clear what traditionalism actually means in this space, in the context of the uh, of this game always. It's, I don't necessarily know enough about Scandinavian, medieval Scandinavian culture to know first, when when is this game? Because the British Isles are made to sound like, oh, there are these British Isles across the seas. Like, guys, you know about the British Isles. This is not something entirely foreign and new to you. Um, it's weird that you're making some big, ooh, isn't this special? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I'm sure they're getting some of that from the Viking TV show, which also makes it sound like some grand expedition. It's like, this isn't even Greenland. This is like the Orkneys. I mean, you guys have been here for 100 years going around that place for hundreds of years, which is always weird. So, you know, setting it in a time and place, I'm playing a, a, a female Thane, and so there's some of that going on, too, over, you know, the sister being chosen over the brother, because you've got this awful idiot brother back at camp. Man, um, he, is a, he is a wimp. Like, I, I, try, so... I try to be nice to him, but every time... He just comes up and he's like, "I'm so useless. I'm I'm sorry. I'm such a garbage brother. I'm just, I'm just such the worst." A sad sack. This is the be a Viking. Vikings don't have pity parties. Yeah, and like, and I get. Look, I I get that. Like, you know, it would be tough if you were a sensitive soul born in a in a warlike tribe. But there's right. a point where it's this constant like. Your brother's that awful friend who always runs themselves down so yeah. that everyone else has to be like, no, you're great. You're awesome. We love you. Like, and it's just exhausting. And after a certain point, it's like, you know what, Rurik? You're right. You're terrible. Yeah. You're the worst. You're the worst son. Dad's probably glad he's dead. But, but generally, you have all of these decision points leading towards either um, do you stand for the old ways? Like, do you believe in witches? Do you believe in the old faith, uh, generally? You know, there's intimations that, you know, Christianity is going to pop around. There's references to the Franks. Um, I mean, this is, I don't I want to say, I've not played too far into the game because this game has a super long prologue. I must have like, have like a dozen it's hours. It's like 10 hours. I have like yeah. a dozen hours into the game and like I've just built the boat. And it's like, so it's so hard to get an idea of where this game is going to be going. You know, I've, I've done a little bit. I've, I've not just built the boat, but I've built the boat and done some preliminary raids and stuff. Uh, where it goes towards the end, this could be like a 40-hour game as far as I know. Um, but there's a lot of this, you know, what, what, what does being a Viking mean to you? What does... It means to be a good leader, to be a good thane. It's all about proving yourself because you're coming in, your father's died, and he's seen as a bit of an idiot uh, by the local powers because well, he went off and died. But it's also interesting people too. respect him, and it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing where the situation you step into, it sounds like your father in some ways was your very traditional, stereotypical, like, Viking raider, right? Yeah. Like, didn't really look after the homestead, didn't, like, wasn't a builder, wasn't a creator, wasn't a manager. Yeah. Like, when the chips were down, 
he did what he knew, and that was, well, I guess we should go sail somewhere and see if we can loot it. And that was it. And so when you take over, years of this kind of leadership have basically destroyed your clan. Like, there's more, <laughs> you know, yeah. th- there's no men of military age left. They're, pretty much all of them have died or been lost on these raids. Um, you know, the town is impoverished, and the other the other clans are starting to, like, it, it, I actually really like the setup of this game, right? Like, it opens yeah. on this uh, almost, like, Dune-like situation where all the all the tribes are gathering. And, you know, there's definitely those daggers and men's smiles, uh, you know, type moments as you as you realize, like, you have no friends. Like, even the people who are speaking kindly of your father and, like, mm-hmm. you know, wishing you the best, everyone really wants you to fail and wants to absorb your lands and, yep. and your port. And so you have to figure out, like, and this is sort of the first, th- these are the first things you have to sort of do. Not only do you have to shore up your, your position and start assembling a party, uh, the old we're putting a team together thing. But yeah, there is that question of what does a successful Viking clan look like in this day and age? And the interesting thing is Osleaf, even though he's like a really like greedy, brutal like warrior in some ways, actually thinks that the rating was stupid. And that wasn't that was your that was your father's mistake, right? Yeah. Um, so it's this it's this interesting tension of like it's 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 sort of core to the identity, but there's also this recognition that like you have to build things back home too. You you have to you have to be trading. You can't just be running around trying to loot everything you find because that's not that's not a plan. Right. Well, one of the first decisions you're asked to make is how are you going to improve your village? How are you going to improve your town? And it's, there's not a lot of guidance in what all of these buildings actually do beyond uh, this one improves prosperity, this one improves whatever, uh, happiness how, or loyalty like presti- or something. Like power, yeah, prestige. And there's some stuff that doesn't, like your, your town doesn't have any walls, um, the farms suck, uh, you don't have a market yet. All of these basic things aren't in place, and so you're, you're prompted this choice with very little guidance. Um, as to what you should actually be building. And this is where the slavery thing comes in, is that if you have thralls, which you can you start with a couple, and if you find more and take them back, you know, they, you can have them, you can force them to build your stuff faster. This takes a toll on your thralls. They won't all make it. But it's really the only way to develop your home base in any great speed, because... It can cut the the the, it can conduct it can cut the construction of a new building in almost half, which is like wow, this is actually pretty handy. Uh, It would be better if the game had a better way of tracking time than just this um, little slider at the top of the of the uh, campaign map. Yeah, I have no idea what time of day it is. Yeah, how long does it take me to 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 go to rhyme? It's like. A day? No idea. Should I be camping and sleeping again? If you sleep, because if you camp, then that's clearly going to be another night. But if it doesn't take me a day to walk to Rhyme, why are all these camp camping spaces all the way here? Uh, so there's really no... It'd be nice if there was an estimate, a time estimate uh, on there. But so, you, so, so, so speeding up the construction, having an idea of the time, how long it will take, is actually you know, quite a handy and helpful thing. This is why you have uh, the thralls. Um, I generally oppose slavery uh, in my games, but I did take the thralls because I needed to speed up 
uh, some building so that we're not going up way too slowly. Um, <clears throat> how hard can it be to build a farm, guys? I mean, why does it take you five days, ten days to, you know, till some fields? Come on. Let's figure this. Figure this out. We, we, we discovered agriculture back in... You start the game with learning agriculture. This is in Civ Four. Um, so there's that tension of how what so but that affects how your town will develop your prosperity and your market if you have a market you get more trade goods you have more trade goods then you can become one of these trading vikings because that's one of your choices instead of being a raider you can be you know merchant prince of the baltic starting the hansa league early and just you know trading your goods uh, along and then using that wealth to build more warships uh, which for more trading or you know have better armor and I, I think where I'm getting a little lost with this game though mm -hmm. is like I don't really see how useful all that metagame stuff is because the vast majority of my resources are still coming from what my party is doing out there on their adventures, right? It's this it's this weird thing where like there's this there's this like metagame strategic layer. Yep. But it feels like that's where I go to pretend to be like that's my go like pretend Thane space, you know. Like, all right, we're improving the town. This is really going to make a huge difference for the people here. And then in the meantime, like what what really is driving the game is landing on these different sites along the English coast and deciding like, do we be nice to these locals or do we mm -hmm. burn their abbey? Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, have you have you felt like, you know, as, as these things are constructed, have you felt like any sort of meaningful, like, gain in resources or or change in the dynamics of the game because now you have these things generating these resources, these, these, these values? No, it's very detached. I mean, there's this attention to being a good thing, but you're not very much drawn to the improvement of your thingdom. Um your big interaction with you know improving things, I and mean, you have to find you have to find the resources to do the improvements, which is, and you'll find them either through through trading, or through the old traditional Viking way of digging through barrels and trash. Because um, <laughs> that's God, this the, the barrels of, of rhyme. The barrels of rhyme were filled with tar, and iron and poles. I mean, how how you can hide a pole in a barrel? I don't know, but thank God for those poles. Um, and so you, and then you have to have enough enough wood and whatever to build the thing, and that can take some time to get. Um, but once you do that, there's not much interaction with that strategic layer. Most of the game is going to be at the tactical layer because you're fighting a lot of battles. The RPG tactical layer, which is you know could be you know compared to like Baldur's Gate type uh, tactical battles, and the uh, role playing options and the occasional decision: Do I burn these guys or do I trade with these guys, or do I just wave a friendly hello as I sail past? Um, you got rough estimates of the strength of places and some information here and there, but. By and large, the, the larger strategic layer of improving your position within the clan and the position of your thanedom um, compared to its neighbors, because there's a larger strategic 
plot metagame against Skull Skulderson or uh, whatever yeah, his name definitely. is. Definitely, like the the, kill, the the Viking version of Kilgrave, right? It, it, it's yeah. like the oh, he's like Skull like head smasher or something like that. Like, yeah, to, like ba- yeah, he's, he's basically like the like. It's just such a scumbag name, right? His name is Skull. Come on. What was the last good person named Skull? I mean, maybe that Power Rangers guy, but that's generally this is not a good sign. Um, but again, nobody likes you to uh, so work hard to gain the trust. So there's the, the detachment of that layer, how you can be improving the town in certain areas. But so I approve the market. Will like the merchant characters like me better if I build like some big witchcraft stone will the witch in my party like me better um can i pacify you know alesliff by improving the longhouse or building more warships will that make the berserker i've hired improve things no there's nothing at all even though they're always talking to me all my party are talking to me oh this is what a good thing would do thanks mom it's a party of seven moms telling what a good thing would do and i do what a good thing would do and there's just no connection um, which is kind of disappointing because, you know, actually building up your town and increasing those resources and the prosperity and all of this has a has some effect, I think, on how other leaders will treat you, I think. Mm. Um but maybe maybe then that like clan politics that clan politics stuff that's implied at the start yeah. comes into play more when you've done more raiding. And like and this is and this is the thing. Yeah. I've been playing this game for about a week and a half. And listener, I, I like we've mentioned it a couple times, but I don't think it can be overstated. The prologue for this game is as long as other games are in their entirety. Like it is a ridiculously like I'm not even sure <laughs> like it's an it's an easy eight hours at least. And that's if you kind of are going about it like you know what you're doing and are not like yeah. doing every side quest and being pretty business like about it. If you're yeah. trying to like complete everything that the game tells you about, yeah. it is a long runway. And then it releases you into the more open ended stuff um, out there and that's, with that's the rating. It's too long to get you into the Viking. It's too, it takes too long to get you into a boat. Yeah, and just and and a lot of it's not that exciting. Is the other thing is like you go to you go to Reeb and it's 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 just a big boring city, um, with tons of tiny little quests for for you to fulfill, and yeah, I, I mean right right at the start. The game starts off really strong. You know, you've got oh, yeah. your father's funeral. You've got clan. You've got clan politics. There's an ambush from a discontented clansman. It's uh, very Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's it, it's super. It feels really good. It's very The Last yep. Kingdom, Game of Thrones. And then immediately, it's like, okay, now to prove you're a good thing, you need to go do fetch quests for hours. Like there's there's a point where you're walking around a forest looking at trees. Oh my god, I could not this yeah, I couldn't this, find the oak by the way. Oh, that that oak tree in the wind somewhere. I don't know. I I, I found four of the trees. I guess there are six you can find. <laughs> yeah, I found yeah. four of them. I think you know what? I found the three you told me about. 
and a fourth. And I'm not going to keep wandering around uh, looking for more of these. Um, but yeah, you to build a ship, you have to get your ship right. And he tells you, oh, here's what a good ship looks like. Here's what a different kind of trees you could have. There's, you know, an elm does this, and a spruce does this. I'm not sure this is historically accurate, by the way, when it comes to naval construction. I'm pretty, I have no idea. I'm just going to guess that it's not like, oh, damn it, we were going to build a warship, but all we've got is this elm. Well, I guess guess we're building a trading bark. I'm sorry, we're only allowed to cut down one tree. Um... So it's just so, so and you, he tells you all of these things about the wood, and he clearly knows a lot about wood. Or he, this is the idea. He's a skilled shipwright. But I have to go with him to pick out the tree. I mean, and the I mechanic war- is stare at trees. You, in- you, you, you you wander around and you stumble upon a tree, and he says, "Oh, this is a spruce tree." It's like, Thanks. I know what a spruce tree is. I've lived here my whole life. It is so close to that like uh, that Monty Python episode where it's like, and now. The larch. Oh God! And like it's just why? So yeah, I mean that's I mean that's kind of the issue is the game starts really excitingly, and then there's a lot of this this fetch quest stuff, to the point where I started to wonder like, okay, what game am I playing here? And then finally you get on the boat, and when you get on the boat, it's exciting again. Like it, it, it's you know there's, there's rousing music, tearful goodbyes, and yeah. you sail off to the British Isles. And that's where the game has its proper beginning, where yeah. it's suddenly you're landing on these coasts, and it's kind of this. It feels like a binary choice so far. Like, do you want to raid or do you want to do stuff for the locals to to win them over? Um, I'm not sure. Like, I haven't I haven't yet gotten a strong vibe for what that third path might look like. You know the 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 merchant path. I mean, I'm I'm kind of thinking it would be great if we could have done the show, you know, in three months' time, but there'd be so many more games between now and then. And the big problem is it takes so long to get into the proper game part. I mean, we don't. That's Conquistador also had a very long inter- prologue, but they called it an introductory campaign. You know, where you were conquering, you know, Jamaica or something, or um, one of the Spanish ones. Um, and you're just wandering around, but it's mostly to teach you different stuff, to get you used to things like how to use terrain and how to spot treasure on the map and these sorts of things. It was mostly battles and a couple of really tough battles and some easy ones to teach you some things. Um, but it didn't feel like it was, you know, build, building up to some grand... It, it, yes, the real game is in Mexico. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it wasn't, you know, 10 hours of long chats beyond camping every now and then and you talk to your party and they'd come to you with you know you'd overhear party members talking to each other you know debating religion or talking what they would do when they found all their gold and that stuff was in the prologue and that stuff goes on in the campaign but it isn't it wasn't an endless series of well here's my uncle and he's got some wolves to deal with we should help we should stop and help him deal with wolves I heard about treasure buried in a cairn so far away. It's like, why is this stuff mentioned to me in the prologue? I mean, why are you holding out these tempting side quests of wealth in a prologue before the boat's even done? Um, because the Vikings are raiders. It's people who stay at home, those are just regular Scandinavians. 
Um, all these regular Norsemen and Danes and Swedes. The Vikings are the raiders. I should, dude should, should pick his own damn trees. Yeah. It, and God, the Cairn the, the quest, I don't know how I feel about this yet. Um, the game also sort of plays with that idea that you're in this, as, as, as many of your medievals were, you're in this borderland between reason and mysticism. Mm-hmm. And the game doesn't entirely seem to make a choice about that, which I actually kind of like. Yeah. Like, there are things that are full of, like, religious portent and that appear to have meaning. But is that just because you get the religious characters telling you that it has meaning? It means something to them, so it should mean something to you as, as a leader. But then you have weird stuff like you go into this grave to loot it and there's like ghosts there that you fight wobbly things yeah but then after they're dead your character can look at them and be like oh it can do the whole like scooby-doo thing right Right. where it's like oh these weren't ghosts these were the other treasure hunters and i'm like "Mm, mm, then why was this entire sequence so trippy uh, like what? It was it was nifty, but it like yeah. It, it the game kind of keeps fainting toward this idea that there's you know there's more things in heaven and earth ratio. It keeps sort of fainting in that direction. Uh, but I I'm not sure if it's going to do anything with that or whether it's going to keep it right there in the middle where like this could be a world where like elves and giants are real, but also all you can observe really is it's a world of men. And and rational explanations. Well, I mean, there's a subquest from Reba where you know you're told there's this stuff going on in a marsh, and everyone believes in oh, it's a lantern man, which is will of the wisps, or it's giants, and you go there and you find some really big dudes and you fight a battle against them, and you come back and you talk to uh, the thing of Reba, and she asks you, well, what did you did you take care of the problem? You say, oh yes, and your choices are. You can tell her it was just a couple of really big deformed guys, or no, you actually killed some giants. Um, I chose, I killed some giants. And, you know, she's skeptical about it, but doesn't want to question you. Doesn't really push it. Um, And, you know, if that's good for your reputation, who knows. But if someone wants, if people believe there are giants out there, I'm not going to go around, you know, pulling the mask of, you know, off old man McDonald and say, no, he's not a giant at all. Um... I, I do think it'll stay in that, you know, mid-range type thing. I think it's going to be, except that, you know, there's there's always skeptical people, and there's it's, I don't think it's going to be, it never really endorses the idea of, you know, supernaturalism. I mean, you have you have healers in your party, you have witches. What they do is poisons, more or less. Poisons and healings, Pumices. Or, you know, they're not going to be cast in lightning bolt. They can sing demoralizing songs, uh, the spell of demoralize, which I guess you could think of as a spell, but you could also think of it as just, you know, taunting or whatever, what have you. So there's not a whole lot of actual magic beyond, you know, the healing poultices and the like, which could have seemed like magic um, in the 8th century. So I think it's going to keep on that, you know, that fine line of, you know, some of your party members are believe the witch turns into a raven at night, and some of your party members think that's just a stupid thing that old women say. Um, 
which it has always been thus. Um, and I kind of like that it doesn't, you know. Yeah. That I, I, maybe I, I don't think it's going to come to the end and then, oh, Thor will come down and smite all of your enemies or what, or you'll discover some magic Christian relic that will save all of your problems. Um, I don't think it's going to be going down either of those lines. I think it's going to stay firmly in the... There's a lot... People, people do weird things. People misunderstand what they see, misinterpret what they see. And there's not a lot of point in necessarily arguing against it. So, you know, you talked a little bit about the poisons and the uh, the, the demoralizing shouts and, and stuff like that. Right. And we talked a lot about the, uh, the, the metagame layer of this, but most of what you're going to be, well, actually most of what you're going to be doing is, so far at least is running around maps, talking to people and getting quests. But the other thing you're going to spend half your time doing is fighting battles. Yes. Uh, it's something you do a lot. Um, and I also don't know what I think about this game yet on the tactical front. Like, it's it's a, it's a fun, engaging little system. It's it's easy to play. It's a you're on you're yeah. on a hex grid. It's a it's a very typical uh you know RPG battlefield, uh you know hex movement. Uh you know characters have. You know, follows the XCOM pattern of you can do a big move, or you can do an action and move, or you can do a kind of like special action that consumes the entire turn. Uh, so it sort of follows that pattern. And the issue I'm running into is that the system seems fine. It does not feel like the game has a good sense of where the difficulty balance should be. Uh, because where this game starts, so I think we both had the same experience. The game starts you on the hardest difficulty level by default. Yeah. And I thought I was just like, this game is just like ass kickingly hard. Like I've just become terrible. Like XCOM two is the canary in the coal mine. I become bad at tactics games. (laughs) Um, like I like there's this early battle, uh, where your, your, your village is raided and I could barely throw back the first wave, and these were like four wave assaults. And I was like, "This game, this game's just impossible. Like nobody, no human could 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 win this. I can't imagine a, a full campaign like this." Then I discover, okay, it's on the hardest difficulty level. I kicked it back one notch from like insane to hard, and suddenly I'm just like rolling through every fight. And kind of haven't stopped. Like so, insane is impossible, and then very hard is pretty trivial, actually. Um, and so that's that's the other issue that's giving me a little bit of pause here is this sense that it's very hard. Th- this game struggles to find a place where its battles are satisfying and challenging and varied. I mean, I never even noticed that it was on the hardest difficulty setting until that battle. Because up till then, I was just cruising through everything. Oh, well, of course, it's a prologue. I can just cruise through all of these things. Then I get to that battle, and it's, why are they, why are all my guys dying so fast? Why can't they do any damage? Why are there so many of them? Oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, Then I understood what was going on, uh, or I was told what was going on, moved it back uh, a couple of notches, and did just fine. Um... I really like the battles in general. Um, I think they're, I mean, are they necessarily well done? They're all pretty much, they're quite samey. You know, you have a couple of melee players and a, there'd be a 
facing a couple of melee guys, a couple archers, and a healer, uh, generally. Um, but what I really like about the tactical battles is that the terrain is always so varied. It's almost always, you know, look at the... Uh, the battles, uh, the raiding battles. You have two other. You have two choices to start with. You can either the north is a road coming into town, which you know you can break out onto, or you can just fight a little defense. Second option, the south, is they're crossing a bridge. So you do the Horatius at the bridge type thing, um, and mount your archers. But yeah, but if they have more archers than you do. What if your front line gets knocked out? So you have a lot of uh, options there. It's most of the field maps are going to, be, going to be broken ground. If someone's behind cover, they can't be shot at all with an arrow. It's not even a reduction. Your shot's going to miss. Um, so having cover is very important for your archers and your fighters. Uh, flanking is, you know, quite valuable, especially if you improve your flank bonus. Your healers have only three charges in a battle. They can't just keep doing it. They can only heal uh, three times per battle, so do you have an extra healer? You can only take six people into a combat, um, so you might be outnumbered sometimes. So there's so choosing, knowing what you're getting into. Like Once I made a mistake, I, I increased the size of my herd up to the nine I was uh, able to get. Created my characters. One was a great super axeman I designed. He was going to take the big power axe that I'd found and go and chop people's heads off going to battle he's there with me i forget to equip the axe yep. so here's here's this guy just always check your inventory guys um but you know once he had the axe he was actually pretty handy to have but putting him in meant one less range person or one less witch uh so you have all of these you have there are actually some interesting choices um you know, the battles aren't too difficult um necessarily but I do think that, you know, the, the broken terrain and the varied options of, uh, you know, your spearmen can attack from two tile from two hexes away or with a special attack from three hexes away. Um, so how do you, where do you put your spear person? Because uh, they don't have a shield. So whatever is at them is going to hit them. Uh, your shield is damaged. You don't always, you're not always successful with your shield, but it's damaged. You stop to repair your shield. Uh, even though that takes up a turn. So there are some, at the, you know, the hard difficulty level and the very difficulty level, you do get some interesting tactical options there, I think, especially because the terrain is uh, so varied and interesting. That, uh, that grave robbing, for instance, the uh, first time I played that, I got butchered because, you know, there's a bit of a spoiler, guys. Uh, you go in, you knock out the first wave, no problem, and, you know, you're thinking it's like an ordinary dungeon. So you go down the narrow path into the next room. No. You go down the narrow path, and you get ambushed from behind. And now all of a sudden, all your frontline guys are in the wrong place. And meanwhile, all your archers and witches are getting chopped to pieces in the back because it's a narrow hallway, and you can't get there in time. That was, you know, a fun thing to learn. Um, you know, once you figure that out, you know, the, it becomes less interesting. But it is a mistake you make. Um, and you realize, aha, this is a map designed to show me something. Like, don't be an idiot and charge ahead uh, without knowing where the reinforcements are coming from. So I, I really like the map design. I like the tactical battles. I think they are, um, especially, you know, you, you do get to you upgrade, you choose what weapons they're going to use, and you get to upgrade those, uh, the weapons and their skills. Um, you reach a certain, I think, level five in a weapon. You have three abilities for it and how you would use it. 
it's I'm actually a there I'm a fan of the tactical battles. I wish there weren't so many of them, and I wish wolves weren't so hard to kill. Did you fight the battle with your uncle's wolves? Um, no, uncle, I didn't. Your uncle's having wolf trouble, and you say you'll come back and help him, and you come back and help him, and the wolves, they, they actually murder you. They will take, they'll take half, they'll knock you down in a couple of bites, and then they will take a final bite and kill you. Um, they are not, and they are hard to kill. Um, oh, that's that I, right. You're, oh, I forgot to do that. Yeah. It's, I think I'm supposed to make traps. Yeah. Um, that's right. I totally forgot to do the, uh, uh yes, he mentions it and I, I totally forgot to do it. I remember the, um, the giant brothers yep. had like attack dogs. Yep. They had a couple of hounds. Uh, but I use my archers to just like spam them with cripple attacks, right? And uh, basically prevent them from getting into my back line. Uh, one of them did anyway, but they they weren't that tough. Um, I do like I think those wave attack those those wave based battles are where the system actually really shines. Yeah, because it definitely is a system where it feels like you can't bring everything you'd like to have. Right, like you never have quite enough heal charges uh, on the map. You never. You know, any anything, any, like bringing on any additional resource in one area means something else is going to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so the the wave attacks, I think, um, like work really well with that because it really sort of puts its finger on your vulnerabilities, right? It really presses you there. Uh, you know, do you have the endurance to sustain this fight? Like, are like if that last, if the next to last wave starts knocking characters out of the fight. Are you going to be able to grind out the final wave? Uh, that's that's probably where this system seems to work the best for me. And yeah, that unpredictability about where these guys are going to show up from uh, is is also a cool thing. The issue I'm running into with a lot of the fights, though, is that they are just very samey. Like because it doesn't feel like there's a ton of variation in what the characters can can all do right like if you've got a if you've got an archer of course you're gonna dump tons of points into their archery ability and then what now you've got someone who every move every turn has a high probability of of hitting a target and doing a lot of damage so like kiro my hunter just became like your very standard dps but then he also stopped being an interesting an interesting character in a lot of ways because like okay well what's he gonna do he's gonna stand back and keep putting that damage down. Nephia, similar deal. Like, you know, I, I upped her uh, spear ability. And, boy, spears are really good in this game. Uh, yeah. that, that that range two melee ability. Uh, you get that spearman behind someone with a shield. And, who boy, uh, the, the damage goes down. But, like, that's kind of all Nephia did. Like, she walked up behind one of the tankier characters and stabbed someone to death. And... But that's not that different from how XCOM works, of course, right? I mean, if you have a sniper in XCOM, they're going to be sniping. Yeah, except XCOM, I think that, but the classes, the classes can go in such different directions, and then particularly right. with like XCOM two, right? yeah, yeah, like like there's the the psych ability, you know, the the psi yes. abilities, um, you know, there's there's the augment the ways you can augment your soldiers, uh, like. Yeah, you and, have that and, class structure, but it forks very quickly. And an upgraded spearman's going to look very much like another upgraded spearman. There's not there aren't a lot of 
different paths you can take. I mean, you can take a few other abilities uh, on the side. A lot of them are going to be damage reduction or um, things like taunting or kicking somebody. Um, but by and large, you're not going to have a ton of variety. But then, you know, it's melee combat. Um, trying to stay relatively historically consistent. So you're not going to have a whole lot of options, I think. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I... I I so far, I mean, there are a lot of battles, and you know, some of them you have some of them are challenging, and sometimes they are thralls or street kids like beating up the gang of street kids. Oh, you didn't do God, Troy, jeez, I, I you tried the worst. I tried to talk oh my, my god, out. I look, I, 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 I tried to talk my way out of it, they ran, then I then the game crashed, and I loaded before that. So, in my current run, they are alive. Okay. But I did but I did kill them once. I still haven't found a home for them, but I have killed them once. I never I couldn't find the home. I got bored trying to do it. I just sailed away on my dragon ship to hell with them. I, I uh, figure but, I, I I think you're eventually gonna end up adopting them. I think it's gonna be like hundred and one Dalmatians, only they're eight bratty street kids. I I just love this like Troy Goodfellow plays Vikings. Ah. Oh, Building is so slow. I better use slaves. Oh, these kids ran away when I tried to get them to move out of the squat they're staying in. Better kill them. You don't have any choice. When they start running away, they turn hostile. I, mm, I want to say, when I went and talked to them... You can ask them to leave, and they might leave and come back, but there's another way where the dialogue path where it leads to them getting really hostile and running away okay. and three of them start pounding on you with their baby fists uh while the leader uh, wow. run tries wow. to escape yeah i so i i have really i built a character with really high um like leadership and diplomacy and like uh perception and sense so like all the talky thinky stuff yeah and i think i ba- like where it ended up was the kids basically said you find us a place to live but i think that's the other option yeah he can get there regardless that's the other option regardless that's where i'm at now you know they've if i find them someplace to live and the thane of reba can't tell me where to put them um, yeah so i figure but, i'll end up adopting them but, but i'm yeah, a thane. i'm not a, but, but, i'm not a broker Right. What it comes down to is, but I was, those are just, so sometimes there are fights where you're fighting against people who do not stand a chance against you. You know, uh, even that first fight where you're fighting the the, the 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 drunken louts who interrupt your father's funeral. I mean, it's that just a, you. That's a massacre. That's like you guys are drunk and stupid, but I gotta fight you. Um, there's just no choice about this uh, because. That's what you got to do to defend the throne, um, and there are a lot of fights you have to do. You have don't you can't talk your way out of. Uh, so there are a lot of fights, some interesting, some not. I got to bring gen- up in particular the campsite fights need to die in a fire. Why are there campsite fights? Oh my god! Okay, so this is this is maybe the 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 last key part of this game that we that yeah. we really need to address. Yeah. Um. So as you're venturing on the overworld map, which is basically just sort of the, um, you know, your, your, your tiny little icon on a, leaving a dotted line path through the world from one hub to another. Uh, there are also campsites where you need to stop and rest up and, 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 have food and find food and cook food and eat. All that good venturing stuff. Most of the campsites you find are occupied. And that just means there's 
a bunch of hostiles in the campsite that you have to fight in order to clear it out so you can camp there. And at least so far, every campsite has an identical layout. Like, it's the same battlefield every time. I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. different campsites. I keep seeing the one with the giant log dividing the camp off from the rest of the map. A uh, couple tents. Like, it's the same thing again and again. It's because it's because the, the Viking National Park Service insisted on standardization across yeah. all the camp lands. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's, it's always the same building. The, the uh, restrooms are in the same space. It's the same layout. Uh, no. So you fight this battle again and again and again. And I don't think it gets any harder. Like, these are, they're never high-level enemies. It's just a bunch of, like, randos hanging out in a campsite that you have to I don't know why murder. I have to kill them. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of grass there. Lots of places to sleep. I don't know why I have to kill people who are at a campsite. That's what, I don't understand the whole meta thinking there. I mean, I guess so somebody gets injured and they force you to put somebody on on, on healing duty at the campsite. But, but the fight gets so... The fight is not very hard, and it's you. You learn how to fight that map so quickly that like it just becomes this annoying little like five minute mini game you have to play before you play the other mini game, which is camping itself, which is another like is a system that faints at being interesting but actually kind of isn't. Um, you camp in four shifts, and you have to maintain a steady guard through all those shifts. But then in the meantime, you also need to be hunting for food, which your hunting skilled characters can do. You need to be cooking the meat, uh, which gives you certain, like, I think morale bonuses uh, if, you, if you cook a good meal uh, so that you'll, you'll get more out of, out of the camping event. But that can only be done in shift one. Uh, you can scout the local area for, like, you know, basically, like, goodie huts uh, that, that you can visit or that are sometimes also, like, adventuring areas where you have to talk to somebody. And then you do stuff like... Repair your gear, heal your characters, and there's only so many chefs and so many characters, so you you play this little game of optimizing your camp, and it's kind of a hassle, and then it becomes very automated. It never was really that great. What about for you? Once you have your your, your core nine, once you have your nine Heardman, it becomes really easy uh, to have always have somebody on guard. Um, you will probably have a couple of people who have some medical skills so they can take care of the wounded if there are any. Um, everybody sh- should ideally sleep at least two of the shifts, but there is uh, an upgrade which lets them be refreshed with only one. It's an expensive upgrade, expensive trait, but it's probably well worth it. But yeah, once you have, but once you have your nine, it's not that hard to just know. Oh well, I have my system, um, so that's great. Unless somebody gets injured. If somebody's injured, then they can't do certain things. Somebody who's hurt can't do another task, even if it's a small minor injury. <laughs> they can't cook. They can't be on guard. They can't scout. It's oh come on. Yeah, and if you don't heal the injury, it will get worse. Probably, like there, there, there's an infection rate. Yeah, and uh, so that's something you need to pay attention to. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's. Yeah, I think it's it's not a terrible system. But then, of course, there's you know, what happens when a party member dies, or what if somebody gets upset and leaves 
your party. Then all of a sudden, Mastika becomes interesting again. But then again, but then now you have to figure out, okay, what skills do I want here? Um, like create some of the exact same skills as the previous character or was something else missing? So it gets more to the character creation side once somebody is, you know, dies or departs. Um, I think I ended up with two witches. I think my nine is two witches. And my, uh, I think my main character also has some healing uh, skills. But, so that's three people who can do it. The witches can also, one of the witches can cook. I think one of my spear people can cook. I have a couple of hunters. So yeah, it's a nice little mix. Um, it's it's not a great system, but I, it's it's very old-fashioned. It's very yeah. D&D. I mean, you know, when D&D, when you always had to camp. Oh my, yeah, it was all about encumbrance and metal rations. And who, 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 I'm sorry, though, the, the, the mage can't do that because they're off memorizing their spells. And the cleric can't do it because they're off praying. Uh, what's the rogue going to do? The rogue can't stand guard. It depends what your how good your DM is. But there's a very much that D and D aspect. Okay, you've camped. Who's doing what? Aspect to it. It doesn't. It never gets super interesting. But I think um, the game is better for having it. I think you know the managing of rations is. Like, I think feeding your character is one of the most boring things you can do in an RPG. Um, but I think it works with the setting here, and I think it worked with the setting in Conquistador. Um, I think because it is so faithful um, yeah. to the history, I think it actually brings in a little bit more of the immersion, um, even though it never becomes you know a super tense. It's not, not like after the you know fifth time I've camped, I'm staring, deciding whether you know. I don't think I maybe my hunter shouldn't be hunting today. I mean that never becomes a choice, um, right? Unless that, he gets unless he gets hurt, which and that's he does. the thing. It it just it it feels like and and kind of across every system, this feels like a game where there's no like why would you ever not min max? Like there there's like no value to having sort of a multi role character uh, in, in most cases because like. Of course you want a couple characters with, like, the highest hunting stat. Because then hunting is taken care of. You know, if one of them's down, you've still got an effective hunter. And you put one person on the case, and it gets done. You have one really effective scout. You have one one or two really good cooks. And that is, and it sort of follows that pattern in, in combat as well, where it's like, you know, I guess an exception is, like, there's value in having a character who alternates between, like, high damage, uh, like, Dane Axe, like, dual-handed dual weapons uh, versus, you know, like, shield and axe or shield and sword. That's sort of a place where, like, maybe multi-classing, multi-specking uh, makes a little sense. But just overall, it feels like this the, the, the game doesn't have a case to be made for why you wouldn't just hyper-specialize these characters. And over time, you get enough skill points where they can have a surprising number of specialties. Um, so it just... There's, like... The, the the system, I think, drives you toward taking the sort of what could be interesting decisions and finding the most boring uh, one-shot solution for them. I'm going to keep playing it because I do want to get more of the rating and see if it evolves and see where any of this is leading. Um, I'm not sure I want to play to any grand political showdown with Skull Evil Face, um, but 
because there's something compelling in it somehow. Um, I mean, a lot of the systems have you know some major design problems, um, but I will say this uh, for um, <clears throat> uh, logic artists: there's a lot of personality. <laughs> Uh, in this game, I think. If not necessarily the mechanics, there's personality in the quest design, there's personality in the writing. Um, and it's a tactical RPG that I think is, you know, I think if you like tactical RPGs, it's probably worth, that are historical and you're tired of wizards, it might be worth checking out. But with the caveat that, you know, you won't get to do any real Viking stuff until... A good fifteen hours, <laughs> and if you get too Viking, you'll feel game. bad about it. Yeah, there's no, there's definitely yeah. people yes. who judge you for like yes. reaving the coast. Yes, if you if you if you're if you're going to be your stereotypical Viking, the Vikings that we grew up with, not the Vikings as we understand now, um, then yeah, there's going to be a yeah. lot of raping and pillaging, um, and you will be people will. Not like some people will think you're kind of a monster. Yeah, like the the menu splash screen is, uh, you know, I think a burning monastery or a burning village. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, like if you actually go that route, other people in the party are like, "This is kind of disgraceful." Like <laughs> the most the, the MVP member of my party, the person I chose as my bannerman, is the middle aged mom uh, oh, who who I- joins your party. Yes, uh, Adis. Yeah, because uh, well, one, she's just a really effective tank. Uh, but two, like she's just very like, oh, that's not very nice. Let's like let's be cool about this. God. Um. So yeah, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not much. Of, I'm not much for the reaving. Uh, yeah. I, I've never. I've never really identified with yeah, the people who so like. That's so weird because because she joins specifically to help you rob the grave. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh man, let's let's go let's go desecrate this religious. Let's go desecrate this religious site, this holy site. Hey, can I can I can I can I I hear you're gonna rob that grave. Can I sign up? It's like, sure. I knew the town. I grew up here. Great. How dare you? It's like, oh my god, come on, mom. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. She identifies it's she identifies with like it's she she I think she identifies with the village people like the village people with, with villagers. If there was a Viking, if the village people had Vikings and a monk, they'd still be a viable band right now. Yeah, uh, but I think you do have a good point. Where there's a lot of things I can say about this game. Like there's a lot of things that I wish were better that that were a little more interesting. And yet, I've played an awful lot of it, and I'm going to continue playing it because it does have this like personality, this vibe. Um, it's it's a very like it does. It is a game that pays off with a lot of like character and world building and atmosphere, but it doesn't demand a ton of investment, right? Like, right. It's you know with with XCOM two. It, that's a game where like you really need to be like like thinking about these movements like every move in a battle is going to be critical like it's it's very much meant to be like these are very challenging demanding battles oh and then you can hose your XCOM 2 campaign very early and not even know it yeah this is not that this is this is very much like eh, you got about 15 minutes you want to do some uh not raiding because you know Fisher Rating's Fisher bad. friends uh yeah 
Uh, not not raiding, but you know you want to do fifteen minutes of like Viking themed adventuring, and maybe you know kick the crap out of some uh, you know low level huskarls. That sound good to you? And the answer most times is is yeah. Like this this game gets frustrating because I I keep hoping it's going to open up and really make some of these systems feel more challenging or interesting or varied. Um, but that's a complaint that develops more when I sit back and think about it. When I'm playing it, I'm right. I'm just it. having a good time. I'm right in it when I'm playing it, and then I wonder what I've played. And you know, I'll, we'll see. Maybe in another, maybe another dozen hours, <laughs> something really amazing is going to happen. Um, but I've got my dozen hours in, and I'm going to probably put in the other dozen when I get back from Sweden. Um, eventually, but and, you know, that's something. Is there anything important coming out the next? Couple well, weeks. Uh, no. Steel Division is soon, isn't it? Yeah, but I've already played a lot of Steel Division. And you can't you can't talk about it with us anyway. No, but I but I, but but I, I I can play it against you in a couple of weeks. That's that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure it's a. I'm not sure it's a particularly strategy heavy uh, season right now. Yeah, but, so I mean this and this is you know this is leans more towards the RPG uh, than the strategy side at this point. Uh, when when the political stuff gets going. Um, it's more the strategic layer will come in, but the tactical battles. I mean, I I like them more than you do, Rob. Um, but I think it's just a, a matter of taste, and I just like maps. You, I mean, you did write a series on them. Maps are good, even if they repeat. Yeah. Stuff. Uh, so I think that's that, that's expedition. That's expeditions Viking, and um, yeah, well, like well, I. Well, where should they go next? If they do another expeditions game, the Dun Conquistador and Viking, which are the two. Once you've done Conquistador, Vikings, an obvious next step. Where should they go for their next one? Uh, so I think a. So I think a a a Shogun style, not the video game, but more like James the novel, uh, yeah. the James Clavell uh, novel. I think that could be an interesting thing. Uh, where it's less an expedition and more like a castaway, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land mm-hmm. uh, type situation. I think that could be really cool. Uh, I think there's no, no. You got to stay. You got to stay the hell away from colonial conquest of Africa. You just that's that's not going anywhere good. Even you, if you're could, just could trying. You, could you could you do before that expedition Zulu uh, before the conquest? Maybe, end? but probably not. Probably not, because it's just it, it it's it's a story that like I don't know the, the the horror of that feels a lot more immediate than the conquistadors. Yeah. Uh, well, it is right. It's it's a it's yeah. far more recent history. And the, uh, and, so, the, and, the, and, the and the Zulu expansion disrupted the entire continent. Yeah, I I, I think that's good. that will be. Oh, so you're talking about the rise of the Zulus? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the rise of. I don't mean the I mean the Sandawa. I don't mean Rockstreft. I mean, you know, just the rise of Shaka, uh, the Infokane. Okay, that could that could actually be really interesting. Uh, that that I would be super into. Um, who was the uh, who was that Chinese admiral? Zhang uh, He. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she she's the one who was like this ma- this massive like pirate queen, right? Oh, pirate queen. No, that's the okay. Zhang He was the uh, guy who with the, the, the treasure ships. No, 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 I'm talking about the pirate queen. Ching uh, Shi. Yeah, because because I don't think it gets much cooler than being like 
a pirate queen who has like one of the world's largest navies under your yeah. command. Like yeah, she had, she, had, she had tens of thousands of sailors under her. She had a legit fleet. Yeah, so I think that could be a that could be a cool that could be a cool story to tell. Um, Expedition pirates, yeah, something like, but do it and then do it out of the Caribbean. That could be very cool. I mean, you know, a French and Indian War thing might be good too. As the Iroquois or the Mohawk or as the French. I think because I I think there's a lot of different directions you can go with it. Yeah. Like do you, do you, like do you tell it from the perspective of like the borderland between uh you know natives and American colonists? Do you tell it from the perspective of like French trappers and their you know their their native allies? Uh, those communities have kind of got intermarried uh, yeah. in a lot of places. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of they, there's a lot of stories you could tell, uh, with you know, against that backdrop. The whole Ohio Valley uh, would be great. Yeah, I mean, M- M- Mongols are always fun. Mongols, Mongols are fun. Um, that Where feels battles. Um, it's 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 tough because the Mongols you sort of envision as like a literal mass, like a horde invasion migration. Situation. Yeah. the The nice thing about expeditions is that the whole idea is they're these little groups, right, going right. off and doing their own little thing in against this the, this backdrop of history. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it's I, I think it's a cool little series here, and yeah. like I definitely hope people like as many criticisms as I have of it. It's this is one of those difficult things where like. There's a ton of things you examine, you discuss them critically, and you find a lot of flaws with them. Taken as a whole, the experience is, is actually pretty enjoyable. And that is, you know, back when I was reviewing more games, that always sort of gave me fits, right? Because it's like, the moment you stop and talk about any one thing, you have to immediately bring up the caveats. Like, oh, this is, it has this, but it, and it's cool, but then there's all this other stuff. But then when I sort of stand at a distance from the game, it's... It, it it's really satisfying and you know rewarding in some ways, even if it isn't uh, transcendent or or super demanding. Yeah, I mean it's a thirty dollar game, um, so you know use your own discretion. You decide whether it's something you want to uh, get into and spend money on. Uh, I think it's worth a look. Um, yeah, I would say I would say so too. Uh, it's, it's, if the price drops, absolutely worth a look. Um, but in general, I, I mean, well, you've listened to us. You've listened to all of our problems with the game. Um, if you've tried uh, Conquistador, then absolutely, uh, I think you should take. I think Conquistador is probably a more interesting game. I think it's a more interesting setting. Uh, I think the characters are more interesting. But I do think that uh, I think there's something going on in Viking that's makes the studio worth supporting at the very least yeah absolutely uh i i definitely enjoyed my time with it and i think like while there are criticisms to be had i i think most people will uh will enjoy what this game is doing uh, anyway that will do it for expeditions viking we'll be back next week with more strategy discussion three moves ahead is produced as always by michael hermes and is hosted on the idle thumbs network you can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at 3 or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. 
Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, for Troy Goodfellow, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.